Welcome to Academy Days, a Christian fiction podcast for teen girls. I'm your host and author, Judith. We're taking a break today from summertime for a Christmas episode. Enjoy! Academy Days, Episode 37, The Innkeeper's Daughter See you at the cast party tomorrow night, Sophie Schroeder called from across the church parking lot. You made a great shepherdess. Lacey waved as a smattering of sleety snow speckled against her face. She shivered, and her whole body seemed caught in an endless tremble caused from the tightly wound tension of a Friday evening spent in going on and off stage, remembering lines, giggling under the high-pitched warble of Mrs. Elcott's solo, and one secret. She climbed into the back seat of her parents' car and shut the door. You did a good job, Lacey. Lacey held her breath and slowly turned towards her grandmother. That couldn't be all. Gammy's commentaries were never short, never undetailed. But I am surprised. Gammy folded her hands over the red rectangle of her handbag. Aren't female shepherds a bit progressive for a conservative church like yours? The muscles between Lacey's shoulder blades contracted. There's actually some historical speculation. Historical speculation. Well, that explains the way the third wise man held the baby. Any child in the 21st century would have upchucked in that position. That is, if all the blood hadn't gone to its head first. Paxton is excitable, but he's improved. He didn't ad-lib at all this year, or yell. Because he didn't have any lines. Gammy flipped open her handbag and pulled out a container of black licorice drops. Lacey slid down in her seat. True, and he'd hated that. He'd begged the youth pastor to let him say something, to have at least one line. Now the angels, they sang quite well, and were so well coiffed, too. I wonder, are curls a feature particular to the heavenly host, or will they occur for everyone at the moment of glorification? Gammy, Lacey rolled her eyes. Gammy's right cheek bulged as she sucked on a licorice drop. Now, one thing did strike me as odd. There was a scene. The one with the innkeeper's daughter who doesn't like waiting on tables. It was nice, but it didn't quite meld into the rest of the play. Gammy picked at something in her tooth. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Lacey scrunched her chin down into her coat, allowing the white puff of her scarf to hide half her face. What would Gammy say if she ever found out that she, Lacey Winters, had... Could she deflect all the blame? Say it was Miss Tomer's idea. It had been. And ever since Miss Tomer and the youth pastor had become so chummy, he basically thought all her ideas were golden. Mom turned halfway around in her seat. I liked the daughter's perspective. Mom gave Lacey the side eye. It showed how a changed heart becomes compassionate. I liked it. I liked it. Gammy shut her purse and slid it into one of the pockets of her knee-length wool coat. But the handshaking afterwards. Who was that man you introduced me to, Lacey? Lacey wiped scarf fibers away from her mouth. The youth pastor? Mr. Mitchell? 
I don't know, whichever one had damp hands. Gammy rubbed her fingers against her coat. Clammy. He's young, Mom said, still a bit nervous. And who was that woman hovering next to him? One of your teachers, hmm? Clearly, she wants to be Mrs. Youth Pastor. Mother, Mom said just as Dad opened the car door. Lacey, Flora wants to know if you'd like to go with her and Ira. They're going to grab some food. Lacey almost fell out of the car. Bye! She slammed the car door and skidded across the slurry of the parking lot towards Flora and Dyra, who still stood beneath the church portico with a group of college students. Gammy put in her review yet? Ira asked. In all its sizzling glory, Lacey said, I need a very large amount of ice cream. Does she know? Ira. Lacey elbowed him. No. Hiding your light under a bushel? Oh, be quiet. Lacey scanned the group. Nobody her age. Oh, well. She'd huddle in the corner of a booth and think over the evening while they all talked about college things. A half an hour later, Lacey slid her tray down the long table of a corner booth and did a sideways slide-and-plop routine to get to the spot next to the window. She closed her eyes. It was so fun, God. Thanks, and thanks for this beautiful monstrosity of a Sunday. She dug a long spoon into the depths of brownie, ice cream, and hot fudge caramel. Somebody slid into the window bench side of the booth, catty corner to Lacey. She peeled her eyes away from the melted ooze of her dessert. Oh, just one of the college students. Olga? Olivia? Whoever she was, the only thing on her tray was a pitiful paper packet of small fries. Oh, Bull, is that all you're getting? Flora said from halfway down the opposite bench. Opal shrugged. Oh, great. There was nothing better than stuffing your face next to somebody on a diet. Lacey hunkered down into the cushy bounce of the booth seat. Whatever. She had a program to relive, ideas to hatch for next year. That is, if Miss Tomer thought. Pass the salt, Opal said. Huh? Salt? You can reach it? Lacey covered her mouth with one hand, mid-chew on a chunk of brownie. She reached past the guy next to her and grabbed several packets of salt. Opal ripped three packets open and doused her tiny pile of fries. Then, three at a time, she shoved them into her mouth. That was not the eating method of a dieter. Nothing dainty or demure about it. Opal was hungry. She wanted a large fries. Probably a cheeseburger, too. Poor girl. Lacey spooned her cherry to the side. She could offer it to Opal, but that would be kind of weird. And a little gross, really. Anyway, back to the program. Maybe next year Paxton should be Herod. It would give him a channel to expend a lot of loud emotional energy without ruining the play. Move. I need out, Opal said. Lacey jumped and then looked down the booth crowded with people. Everybody on one side would have to evacuate to let Opal exit. I need out. Everybody hushed, looked. Then, like clowns spilling from a car, Lacey's side of the booth emptied. Thank you. Opal stormed towards the restroom. Maybe Opal should be Herod's wife next year. Lots of emotional energy.
not nice, Lacey. She glanced at the grouping of students clogging the aisle. Should they all sit down or wait since they would all have to move for Opal to sit again? She can sit on the end when she comes back, one guy said. Lacey started to sit back down, but what if Opal was sick or was upset because her french fries were all gone? Um, just shove my sundae to the end, Lacey said. I'll go check on her. In the restroom, Opal sat on the floor, back to the wall, knees to her chest. Gross. The floor of a fast-food restaurant was not for anything but feet to touch. Oh, she was crying. Um, Opal, you okay? Sick or something? Why hadn't she let one of the college girls come? Suppose this girl had just broken up with a boyfriend or had some dark, terrible secret. In this weak moment, Opal might confess the fact that she was a bank robber, and then Lacey would be stuck in a moral quandary and have to go to court as a witness. I hate Christmas. Oh, well, if that was all. But Christmas is wonderful. Opal snorted against her kneecaps and wiped a hand under her nose. My mom is spending Christmas with her new boyfriend in Florida. She told me two weeks ago I'd have to spend Christmas with a friend or alone in the apartment. Opal looked up, like I'm just going to waltz up to a friend and invite myself to their house for Christmas. Oh. Lacey looked away from Opal's watery eyes and stared at the paper towel dispenser, that little soap spout. Could, could you... The only suggestion she could think of involved getting Christmas dinner in the hospital cafeteria or a soup kitchen, and that just seemed insensitive. A picture of Carmen and her mom moving into the winter's basement last year popped into Lacey's mind, but Aunt Nina was still in the basement apartment, and Gammy was in Lacey's room. Opal let out a sob that turned into a sort of gag. She rushed into a stall and slammed the door. Uh, be right back. Lacey bolted out of the swinging door and didn't stop until she was kneeling on the bench behind Flora's seat. Flora, we have to invite Opal for Christmas. Flora turned, talking over her shoulder. What? Lacey, I barely know her. She has nobody for Christmas, and she is throwing up. The booth of college students went quiet. Where will she sleep? Your room and the other twin. That's where you're sleeping. I'll sleep in the tower. The tower. Lacey, that is not a tower. It is an attic landing. I can just imagine you rolling over in your sleep and landing in the hallway below. Lacey huffed, and the booth seat hissed air out through a cracked place in the vinyl. She is throwing up. A dozen people at surrounding tables stared, then frowned at their piles of greasy food. One mom grabbed up her toddler and headed for the door. The kid held out ketchupy paws towards his abandoned chicken nuggets and wailed. Lace, Flora whispered, if she has the flu, she should definitely not come to our house. It's not that kind of puke. It's the anxiety kind, like when you were getting ready to break up with Terrence. Flora's hand came up tight against Lacey's mouth. Lace, didn't you used to be shy? 
please stop using your stage voice. Ira guffawed and lifted his milkshake in a toast. I love it. Best show ever. And you could sleep on the living room couch, Lacey. You'd be a block of ice by midnight in the tower. See? Lacey mumbled through Flora's fingers. Did you call Mom? Flora removed her hand and wiped it on a napkin. Ew. No, but you know how she is. It'll be fine. All right. Go tell Opal. Just no more productions, okay? Lacey scooched off the creaky bench and traipsed back towards the bathroom. Well, this was one way to have an after party. That night, Lacey rolled onto her side, the wood floor of the tower barely disguised by the padding of two sleeping bags. I need my own space, Lacey had told her mom. Maybe that had been a little dramatic, a little unnecessary. Her left side was numb, like somebody had snuck in and had stolen her hip and shoulder, just gone. Perhaps it was time to eat her leftovers. Lacey wavered to her feet and started the long journey to the freezer and to the last few bites of Sunday. The stairs were cold, the hallway, the downstairs entry, the kitchen. Why did Dad have to save so much electricity at night? What was wrong with the comfortable 70 degrees all 24 hours of the day? I feel like I'm eating my saltines on the deck of an Antarctic cruise ship, Gammy mumbled from the shadows. Lacey paused. Eat her ice cream with Gammy, or go back upstairs to numb her right side. Whatever. Gammy was half asleep. She was usually mellow by saltine cracker hour. Please watch your step as we cross the very iceberg into which the Titanic crashed. Lacey droned as she opened the freezer. In the gift shop, you can buy an ice cube chiseled from this very spot. Lacey eased onto a counter stool. No returns, no refunds. Gammy chuckled and then did that stifled crumb cough you do when you're eating something really dry. You really are funny, Lacey. You should write something. Lacey licked at a glob of frozen whipped cream. To tell or not to tell? Nothing sentimental, though. Something that's got grit. Real crunch. Nothing like that innkeeper's daughter scene. She was more interesting when she was cynical. Not to tell. Okay. I liked it. A voice came from the kitchen door. I think I could have been friends with the innkeeper's daughter. Opal came into the kitchen and grabbed a banana from the fruit bowl. Your sister talks in her sleep, she said to Lacey. Something about Norton. Lacey stopped chopping at a hardened edge of brownie. The blonde guy? The one with the three-inch pompadour thing going on? Mm-hmm. Opal peeled the entire banana and broke it in half. Got peanut butter? Lacey pointed to the pantry cupboard. He's too into himself. It won't last. I don't know why she insists on going for that kind of guy. It's like... Like she thinks acceptance by one of those guys means she's worth something more? Now that is astute. Write that, Gammy said. Pass the peanut butter over here, girl. I'm in a frozen desert. Need moisture. She wheezed a puff of cracker dust. Flora will figure it out. She seems smart. 
Opal hunted up a spoon and took the peanut butter to Gammy. She'll just have to face herself one of these days, like the innkeeper's daughter did. I like how the writer of that scene showed the daughter as conflicted. She wanted to be content with her life, and yet she just really wanted somebody to tell her that her actions were meaningful. But the moment they became meaningful was when she thought about somebody else. Gammy banged down the peanut butter jar. There is so much astuteness going on in this kitchen, I'm afraid it's catching. Lacey grinned. Your turn, Gammy. Gammy swallowed hard, probably dislodging a cracker and peanut butter mass from her tonsils. Why didn't she drink something with her midnight snack? I think, she said, turning in her chair to face Lacey and Opal, I think that Lacey is like the innkeeper's daughter. She used to be sort of... whipsy. Gammy! But now, I don't know, I mean, she invites vomiting strangers to the house and writes scenes for the church play. Gammy! Lacey dropped the last bite of dessert. How did you figure it out? Any grandmother ought to be able to tell when her granddaughter is working out her own psychology on stage. Besides, Gammy picked a fleck of cracker off her lavender housecoat. That innkeeper's daughter had the vocabulary of a Jane Austen knockoff novel, of which there are about seventy on your bookshelf upstairs. I've been reading them and ripping out all the pages with kissing. You're too young. Gammy! Gammy laughed, getting to her feet. And to claim the crown of astuteness, I will just say that it is time for bed. She creaked out of the kitchen, the hem of her housecoat swaying above her bare feet. Lacey dumped her trash into the garbage. I'm not sure if I've just been complimented or simply unmasked. Opal carefully spread peanut butter on a chunk of banana. Kind of sounded like she wanted to compliment you without complimenting you. She probably liked the cynical parts of the scene because it made her feel right at home. Lacey sighed. Probably. She fiddled at the sink, washing her hands and wringing out the dishcloth. Should she leave Opal alone or stay with her until she was finished eating? It was odd. At first glance, Opal had seemed the cold, cynical type herself, but now she just seemed normal. Um, you comfortable? Have enough blankets? Need a drawer emptied in the bureau or anything? Lacey ran the dishcloth along the edge of the counter. I'm okay. Good. Opal shrugged. Sorry about my rudeness in the restaurant. It's just listening to everybody talk like life is just hunky-dory. It got to me all of a sudden. Lacey plopped the dish towel into the sink and leaned on the island counter across from Opal. I get it. I have a couple of friends who've been through some tough stuff over the past year or so. She shrugged. I still don't really understand how it felt, the things they've experienced. I'm sure you have your own stuff. Opal jutted her chin towards the ceiling. Your grandmother seems very... Salty? Lacey pursed her lips. I don't get her. She always comes at Christmas, and all she does is throw gravel at everybody. Grit? Yeah. 
Opal hugged her arms to her body. My mom throws words sometimes, too, and it hurts. I, I'm still not sure how to deal with it, either. The girls headed into the hallway, and Lacey flicked off the kitchen lights. It's like a kid on the playground, right? Throwing wood chips at his classmates? He, he wants something, but he doesn't know how to ask for it, how to be it. Opal sniffled, her feet shuffling against the tiled hallway floor. A friend. Lacey found the dimmer switch for the upstairs landing and turned it. Yeah, a friend. Opal swiped at her face. Good thing for some of us that there are people who don't wait to be asked. Sorry, I get weepy when I'm tired. It's been a long semester. No problem. This is what we winters do. Give people a place to rest. Time to figure out what's next. Opal started up the stairs. Good night, innkeeper's daughter. Good night and Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to another episode of Academy Days. If you have the time, please leave a review or share the podcast with somebody else who enjoys fiction. Happy Christmas. Bye.